So many storylines to get to over the weekend. Mark Williams leads us off today after his return from injury. Coming up next, Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. I'm Walker Mail. Catch me on WFNZ Sports Radio 927 FM from 12 to 3. And that is Doug Branson. You can find his Substack, Every Hornets Box Score, on everyhornetsboxscore.com, where he got to write a little bit about Mark Williams this weekend after he returned from his injury, had not played since March 9th until this first game against the Dallas Mavericks. And Doug, Mark Williams was an absolute beast. It was nice to see that there was not any rust that he needed to knock off. You know, only 21 minutes in the first game, so they were still a little hesitant to go him, go full straight Mark Williams all all the way in, 30 mm-hmm. minutes playing mm-hmm. as much as he did the second go around. But still, even in 21 minutes of action, 13 points for him, eight rebounds, even a couple of assists did have the one block. And then the next game against Dallas, that's where he ate up all the rebounds, got 16 of them, 15 points, one assist, and uh, finished five of nine from the field. I mean, I you, you love to see Mark come back in and not lose any of the momentum that he had built. In fact, he was kind of declining a little bit, right? Like if you look at the last games that he had played against the Knicks, he'd only grabbed three rebounds against the Pistons where he got hurt. He only played 11 minutes. So he's actually kind of somewhat finishing, you know, it was only two games, right? But he was actually declining a little bit, but not in these two games. He was awesome. Yeah, well, I don't think he was immune uh, to the rookie wall either, despite the fact that he spent, uh, you know, a vast majority of the season in Greensboro. It's just playing and practicing for this long into the year that I think gets a lot of those players that are transitioning uh, from college. So I don't think he was immune to it either. Uh, It was nice to see him get into these Dallas games and get a little bit more physical. These were great matchups for him. I'm not taking anything away from him. No, they were. Yeah, but I mean, the Mavs don't offer uh, a Jonas Valanciunas. They don't offer the size and physicality that he faced against the Knicks. So, I mean, this was an opportunity for him to have a couple of big games, and he provided them. And and again, a lot of it was getting on the back of Maxi Kleber and using uh, that uh, wingspan of a condor, as Eric Collins likes to say, and, and snagging these basketballs that that the Mavericks didn't bother to go after. So... You know, kudos to Mark for getting in there. I'm a little worried about the thumb. He's kind of messing with it. I I felt like, especially in that second game, I saw him wince a couple of times. I don't want them to do anything that's going to exacerbate that injury because, honestly, Walker, I feel like the Hornets have a center. Like, after so long uh, of watching, you know, Spencer Hawes and what was left of Dwight Howard oh, and Frank Hawks. Kaminsky. <laughs> oh, my God. What are some other? I mean, just give me some up. Uh, Billy Hernan Gomez, who I think we got to look at for like two seconds in one of these games. Um, kind of like Billy, but not as well, much. I mean, I mean, everybody no, kind of yes, liked yes, Billy, but yes, everybody knew right. that he right. wasn't the answer. <laughs> it's like the Hornets right. finally, we finally have a center. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that damaged in any way right. with this thumb injury. 
well, and Billy defensively was god awful. He just could rebound everything. But yes, enough Billy Hernan Gomez talk with Mark Williams. <laughs> him coming back, the thumb injury is a little scary. You do like to see, even if he is messing with it, it did not prohibit him from grabbing no. all of the rebounds. It did not prohibit him, even with his touch. He was five of seven from the free throw line. I'll take that. Um, seventy percent, and you know, sixty-eight, a little above that on the season. That's got to um, get better. I, I noted that in my it's notes. Got to get a little better for sure. Got to get but, better. Well, so he was 75 in college and we were celebrating him. Mm-hmm. If you're at 70, I'm okay with that. I mean, if you're 70 or above, it's, and, and maybe even he could get better because he is a good mid-range shooter on the limited sample we've seen from him. We had the game against Phoenix where he knocked down a couple of mid-range jumpers. I like that. We know Steve Clifford has talked about his ability to shoot threes. He has the touch. So I, I guess you're right. With the context, given that Mark Williams has the touch, it probably should you you would hope it could get to somewhere close to 75 again like he was shooting in college um and then hopefully he's able to draw more right i mean it, when you throw it in there you know seven free throw attempts is is nice against dallas but hopefully there can be some kind of consistency where he is going to the line quite a bit as the physicality is there for mark which is something that you hope continues to improve but it was a nice start after the injury what we got against dallas and clifford mentioned after the game that the hornets are playing better defensively in part because they are starting Mark Williams, which I'm sure fans watching and listening to this show right now are going, duh, like, you know, I mean, they were watching Mason Plumley for so long and pining for Mark Williams. And I'm uncertain that they would have seen that same kind of impact through all 82 of these games. Had they started Mark Williams early on, it would have been very, would have been a very rough learning process for him for quite a while. Uh, but but to see that impact now is is super exciting, and Clifford can't even really put his finger on it. But I mean, I think it's obvious. I, I think there are some things that are obvious, which is that you know Mark Williams, unlike Mason Plumley, can scare some guys out of the paint, and, oh, and yeah. it's not it's not just a constant barrage of of attacks and 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 rim makes, and the ball is having to move a lot more when he's on the floor from the opposing offense. That means you're getting a little bit deeper into the shot clock where mistakes can happen. Um, it allows the guards to play a little bit more aggressive. I mean, I think some of these steals that have gotten them out into transition where they have to play, they have to play in transition offensively where they're going nowhere. I mean, we've seen what happens when they have to play in the half court. They score 80 points. So all of that stuff works together, and, and, and it all means that the Charlotte Hornets play better when Mark Williams is on the floor. Well, and and even not only just driving guards out of the paint, but I think Brian Geisinger put this this clip out where Mark is out there on the perimeter and they're switching and they're doing oh, yeah. a whole bunch of action trying to switch guys. And Mark, Mark looked so com- not only did he look mobile, but he looked comfortable out there on the perimeter in a way that he should not. Where we can go back to some clips where he was out there on the perimeter and he was shuffling his feet and he was doing a nice job of making sure he did not get driven by, but you could tell the happy feet almost exploited his fear a little bit too. You know, mm-hmm. you're supposed to chop your feet, but also you could tell, okay, you know, he's he's hoping to God nobody drives by him here. Against Dallas, that clip, he just looked so much more comfortable where he knew exactly where to go. And I wonder just how much, like, I wonder how much film session attaches to his brain and then he's able to use it so much uh, like immediately on the court where some guys you might have to be out there and then you take a little bit of a step back when you're you know watching film with the coach but 
I wonder if because he's missed a lot of time, he's missed what a couple, three weeks, something like that. Mm -hmm. And this is the only thing you can really do with your thumb. You can move your feet still. I mean, you can do some sort of exercise. Mm -hmm. Cody Zeller would talk about how he was thankful when he got an upper body injury compared to a lower body injury. So he could still run and he could still do a whole bunch of stuff to keep him in shape. But with Mark, you know, sitting out quite a bit for him to be able to learn a little bit more. That's awesome to see. So let's talk a little bit more about Mark. Speaking of being out there on the court, not going to be out there tonight. Coming up next, Locked On Hornets. Steve Clifford told us what to expect when it comes to the center rotation going forward the last six games of the regular season. No mark tonight. What does that mean the rest of the way? We will talk about it in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The tournament Final Four is here. There's no better time to get in on the action than going to FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 and that's $1,000 back and bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign today. Sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then what you can do is you can wager on everything from the money line to the point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Center rotation, Dennis Smith Jr. talk coming up next. Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. And which, what, what I have liked to see a few more shards. Shards? No, I would not have. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Doug, Steve Clifford told media yesterday what he plans to do with his center rotation. And so what he said is that he is going to play two bigs each game while the third one sits. This includes Mark Williams. It includes Nick Richards. It includes Kai Jones to finally get some center minutes, even if they've experimented quite a bit at the power forward spot. So after two games where we saw Mark Williams play, he will sit tonight against Oklahoma City while Nick Richards, assumingly, starts and Kai Jones will come off of the bench. What do you make of this center rotation Steve Clifford is going to roll with to end the season? I think it makes sense to me. I mean, I'd love to see Mark Williams out there every single game, but at the same time, he he is dealing with an injury. He is wearing something, uh, some kind of protective something on his thumb from that thumb sprain, and I did see him mess with it in that last game. And so... You know, while he's probably good enough to play, I'm fine with them doing that experiment because I don't think he's like 100, 100%. Uh, I do hope, I don't want to see him put on ice though, because I think it is important because he, he did play a lot in the G League. Every bit of NBA experience is going to matter as he gets ready to prepare this summer to take over the starting center position full time next season. Uh, and and also, I think they need to get a good look, a good as look as possible at Kai Jones. They've already extended Nick Richards, that he's going to be part of the franchise unless he's rolled up in some kind of trade. But, he, you know, they, they already extended him. So it's time to look at Kai Jones and, f- and figure out where he fits, uh, whether it's with this organization or as, again, as part of some kind of deal moving forward. 
Well, and to be fair, Mark Williams, maybe not on ice. The thumb, if it swells up, I would advise it. I don't know what Joe Sharp <laughs> is saying, but just the thumb needs the ice in case it swells up. So let's not get it twisted. The, the injury. No, is let's the not. Thing seriously, let's not. I don't. I don't want him to get that thumb any more twisted. No. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, if you look at Mark Williams, the injury is the thing that makes sense as to why you would sit him. If he was not injured, I don't know if I'd love it. And mm-hmm. you know, part of me part of me there's this internal conflict right part of me has the james book night situation at the back of my mind thinking okay if mark williams sits two more games the rest of the way what does it really matter he's going to get four of the six games played he's still going to finish the the season healthy and you know playing a majority of the of the possessions here right Mm -hmm. but if we go back to james book night who played 10 minutes doug i mean that's it (laughs) And here we are celebrating mm-hmm. what two back-to-back possessions meant for James Booknight and all encompassing within the 10 minutes that he played. And so you're talking out of both sides out of your mouth if you don't have the injury at play here, because I think I think that's the thing that makes it okay, right? Like I'm I think I'm cool with letting Mark Williams sit because of the injury. But if it's ah, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. We got to see Kai Jones, which does matter at center. We got to see Nick Richards. We got to see all of them. They need a lot of they need ample playing time. But if if we want to minimize what one game, what 10 minutes, 20 minutes might mean, then why are we celebrating it so much with James Booknight? And so that's the only thing for me. It's 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 okay. If he was healthy, then I might want to see Mark Williams yeah. out there because he's clearly the most important asset of all of the bigs. Um, but the injury, I think that makes it okay for me to sit him a couple times just to make sure that we don't have some screw up at the end of the season. Well, the, the big difference to me is that Mark Williams, through through this limited time that we've seen him in the regular season, has proven that he can be an impact. He's he can he, he's proven that he can be an impact player, but he's also mm-hmm. proven that the Hornets play better when he's on the floor. And so th- those are really. I mean, I think fans are looking for the impact player. They're looking for the 16 rebound games. I think Clifford is looking for, you know, do, does the team play better when he's on the floor? And yeah. I don't think there's a doubt about that. And so, in, in that respect, there's little left to prove in, in these remaining six games. Now. He's got a lot to prove in terms of his overall game. Uh, can can he extend his shooting range? Can he play with a little bit more physicality when it when it comes to matchups where the opposing big uh, offers a little bit more size and strength and willingness to to bang down low? You know, is is that something that he's going to be able to deal with or exploit in the future? He's got a lot of those things to prove, but I don't think he's going to prove those in these next six games. He's got to get into an off season program. You know, and build up, build up a little bit more muscle, and and figure things out. So I'm again. That's why I think it's okay that you manage him a little bit and and fully figure out this center rotation, knowing that he is your starting center. Like there's no doubt. If there were a little bit of doubt about that, and they started and they decided to sit him, I'd be like, oh, I don't know, man. I mean, let's let's really fully see yeah. what Mark has. But there's no doubt he's the starting center. Well, yeah, and, and you're right. Context matters a lot about James Booknight just not providing anything, to be honest, this year. And the fact that he provided something in those 10 minutes, hey, we see it. Um, there it is. You're right. The context does matter. At the same time, I think we we can say, yeah, 
there is there are games that that matter a lot, especially if you need something to last all offseason. So if Mark Williams, if we denied him an opportunity to go have another, you know, 20 and a 20 and 15 performance or something like that, that would carry a lot. Everybody during the offseason would be referencing, hey, man, you know, 20 and 15, the third to last game of the season. So anyways, the thumb injury, though, I think that matters. And by the way, like just the big matchups he'll have. It's not like you're going to be missing out on this really intriguing face-off between Mark and Center X, whoever that is. Cleveland is the last one on the road, right? Mm -hmm. So the other games that you have, it's OKC tonight. And OKC, they're extremely tiny, but Mark's not playing anyway. So Chicago, Toronto back-to-back. You know, Toronto is long and all across the board. You know, I guess I don't know about any physical center they have. They have Houston April 7th and then Cleveland on the road. So those are the matchups they have. Yeah, that is, it is interesting that they are playing Oklahoma City because it was that game on December 29th where he had mm-hmm. 17 and 13. That was like the Mark Williams sort of coming out party. Um, and so he's proven everything that he has to prove against Oklahoma City. We don't need to see him uh, play against Oklahoma City. But what we do need to see is Kai Jones not commit – two or three offensive fouls in a game, you know, not turn the basketball over, not make these back-breaking defensive mistakes in the pick-and-roll scheme. You know, those are the kind of things that we need to really pay attention yeah. to. I'll be watching Kai Jones closely uh, tonight for my game notes. I'll be watching James Booknight. I uh, know Gordon Hayward as well. It seems right. like just generally things are going to get weird over these six games, and I think we just have to roll with it because, honestly, I think a lot of us, including me, I've been calling for this – a lot sooner. Um, and, you know, I didn't know I didn't know that they had this in them, that Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre were going to go out and that the Hornets were going to rally around that and get these two important wins against Dallas. But I think a lot of people have been wanting this kind of scenario where you're playing the young players significant minutes, you're resting some of the veterans, and you're getting ready for next season. They've wanted that a lot sooner, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, uh, Gordon Hayward not playing. So now is, it's funny, here we are with two weeks left to go in the regular season, and now they're full-on tank mode, or they're full-on, we don't care about winning these games. Charlotte Swarm, baby, get ready. (laughs) Here we go. That's it. That's it, 100%. So Kai Jones, I think that's clearly the number one, James Booknight and Kai Jones. Those are the guys to watch, right? I mean, maybe Bryce McGowan's, maybe in an increased role, you know, what can you see from Bryce McGowan's? But it's clearly, okay, who are the youngest players? Let's point to them and then watch what they can do in this final six-game stretch. Well, it's going to be important for the veterans that are left, like DSJ, uh, to to really play well. And, and, and Maladon, too, to a certain extent. He's not like a crazy veteran, but he's been around for a few years. To help facilitate to some of these players and make sure that they're getting the ball where they need to get it so that they can, you know, have, have the best opportunity to show out. DSJ has been playing great. Uh, yeah, at times the offense is a little stinky. We know that. Although although uh, he hit some clutch three-pointers in the fourth quarter of that first game against Dallas, he wanted those games against Dallas. I mean, I think we sometimes over-analyze uh, uh, players' return games to their teams, and, and we put a lot of that when, when some players just don't care. They're just like, yeah, I used to play for them, and it's fine. Um, it's just another game for me. This was not another game for Dennis Smith Jr. He absolutely wanted to get one on his own team, or on his former team. I mean, he was out there nutmegging himself, passing in transition to Thor. <laughs> he was uh, he was high-flying. He was knocking down clutch three-pointers. He was delivering uh, picture-perfect passes. 
I uh, just love everything that I saw from DSJ, who's playing with an intensity level that honestly has been rare, not just this season, but from the Hornets in general. This is what I've always wanted. These players that are just super intense, they get into the other team, they're jawing with the other team, but they also they, they, they you know put the effort in. And, and for him, it's on the defensive end of the floor uh, where he's just a, an absolute beast. I love it. They've got to re-sign this guy. If they don't, then I, I don't know that they're really committed to winning next season. Well, and, and DSJ's career, pretty pretty interesting, too, because he's drafted a high draft pick with the Dallas Mavericks, and it's not that they give up on him. I guess they kind of do, but they trade him for Chris Stapp's Porzingis, and that was when Porzingis, we all were kind of like, wait, okay, this is a great trade for Dallas. You're going to pair him with Luka Doncic. You have your big with your guard. They can both shoot threes, and then it eventually just never worked out because of the lack of availability for Porzingis. And then Dennis Smith Jr. in New York, that just never took off either. And so, you know, it, it's like, okay, this is the the team that drafted him and then traded him not too long after to get a bigger star. And so you wondered how Dennis Smith felt about that. Apparently it didn't feel too great. And, you know, what, Dallas more so than New York, right? You know, where you might get the win against the Knicks, but DSJ certainly had words against Dallas more so than he did against the Knicks or, you know, any other team that kind of signed him to, whether it be a 10-day or just um, a little bit longer, but not a, an actual, you know, standard contract or anything like that. He's a real one, as it says in the graphic. There's no doubt about that. And and one one more thing. Like, we talk about the, the offense not being there. You know, we, we've seen the one and eight nights from the floor, and, and I accept that. But I'll also say that those kind of things tend to stand out when you don't have any other significant offensive weapons on the floor, or you do in Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre, but those two offensive weapons are really taking a lot of the oxygen out of the offense because there are no ball movers, facilitators. The offense slows down a lot when they're on the floor. You know, So I would say that like, let's get – DSJ, hopefully a healthy DSJ into next season in the scheme that they always wanted to play with, with everyone healthy. And I think you you would see a similar DSJ that we saw early this season, uh, mm-hmm. who was a little bit more locked in offensively. Yeah, no. And especially with his ability to pass too, he's proven that despite him going, you know, one of eight in some of these. So yeah, the, the ability to get others their shot, I think matters as well. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. We've been telling you players to watch during the NCAA tournament, and now all of those players are out of the NCAA tournament. It's been kind of a goose egg for a lot of the top prospects that the Charlotte Hornets could consider. And then some Duke Blue Devil news maybe to watch out for. We'll talk a little bit more about that coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm a fantastic Googler. I'm bad at logging in. If they were to do sort of a scouting report of of me and my ability to use the internet. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah. Excellent Googler. Not a very good guy that's logging in. Very good at interrupting the host anytime he's trying to go on a rant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Well, Doug, when we've tell when we've told people to watch a couple of uh, of the prospects in the big dance, we're like, all right, well, you know, at least this team survived. It's not like they had a great performance from their star player. You know, they got to the second round. Eventually, they got to the Sweet Sixteen. 
But now they're all gone. Doug, if you look at the final four, nobody is going to be drafted in the top 10. And it's going to be the first time that's happened in the final four since like 1990. I know Roger Sherman put out a tweet and he's a part of the ringer where he said, if if you look at all of the top players in this uh, in this NCAA tournament field, you know, as, as far as top 10 or even top 20, if you go that a top 20, it you're, you're not getting anybody that's going to be drafted. If you go even, you know, extend the range even that far, right? Like it, it might be at 20 where you see one of these guys go. So UConn, FAU, San Diego state, and then uh, who's the other team that I'm missing here? Miami. Thank you. The Miami. So those are the teams. <laughs> Just that, thank yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I was saying thank you that I was able to get that. Thank you, Brain. Um, nah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, like nobody is going to be drafted really high. So Brandon Miller's out. Jairus Walker's out. Two one seeds get dropped in the Sweet 16. You didn't have Keontae George. I know we talked about him. Baylor's, you know, one number two offense in the country. They got bounced early. Does that worry you if you're the Hornets and you're selecting in a range where, okay, maybe Wemby's gone, maybe Scoot's gone. Now you're left with Brandon Miller and the Thompson twins who did not flame out of the tournament because they didn't play. Like, how do you strategize around this or do you at all? Well, I was hoping that they would all get bounced, honestly, because I didn't want anyone (laughs) to sort of fall in love with a player and maybe rate them a little bit higher on their board because they won a couple of games in March. Like, you know, winning is obviously important, but you know, single players don't necessarily influence the game in that way all the time. And especially in the randomness that is the tournament and the randomness that has become college basketball. And part of that randomness is the fact that you do have Victor overseas, Scoot playing in G League Unite, the Thompson Twins playing at Overtime Elite. The top talent uh, isn't in college basketball anymore. And so, you know, these these evaluations are a, a little bit silly at this point. You know, if what if Brandon Miller were playing alongside Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller was playing alongside, uh, you know, an Amin Thompson? You know, would it, would it be different? Would Alabama have cruised through the tournament? And would, it, would it be fair to think any different of Brandon Miller because, you know, they, they got to the tournament or got to the final or didn't get to the final four? So, no, I think it's all – a little bit silly. I think you are doing all of it's a gamble because all these kids are 19 years old. You know, that's the other mm-hmm. thing too. If we were sitting here having a conversation about, you know, uh, a Nick Smith Jr. or a Keontae George in their third season, you know, not having made a final four the whole time, then you start to go, okay, what's, what's going on there? Why can't this person get that play, you know, get that team over the hump? Well, we're not talking about that anymore because, you know, these guys are all coming out so early. So I, I'm I'm just glad that, yeah, you know, a Brandon Miller or Nick Smith Jr. didn't make this big run, you know, and then we go, okay, well, maybe let's bump them up a couple of slots and, and it starts to influence our reasoning a little bit. Yeah, I know there's been, I I forget where they are. I know there have been studies that say, like, you know, the, the NCAA tournament's not the greatest indicator of NBA success. I mean, it's not something that you need to put a whole lot of weight in. So, no, I'm still drafting Brandon Miller based off what I've seen from him throughout the regular season, despite a and despite an NCAA tournament where maybe he didn't perform all that well. And, and Jairus Walker, you know, he had 16 points in this last game, but just the efficiency wasn't there. So, you know, it's it's not like he was atrocious, right? He still contributed in a lot of different areas of the box score. But 
just still to not see any of them get to the final four. You know, that might that's a little interesting. And the last thing is, if you look at the last pick that the Hornets are going to have in the first round, you know, wherever the Denver Nuggets finish up, Tyrese Proctor from Duke, he is going to return. He's going to come back. And that guy was awesome at the end of their run. He was the only one that could provide any offense for them whatsoever. And he's a really good perimeter defender, too. And now we're all kind of wondering if Kyle Filipowski is going to go back to Duke. And Kyle Filipowski would have been super interesting. Somebody that is skilled, that is a big guy, that has the ability to shoot threes and really came on strong at the end of the tournament, um, the ACC tournament, I should say, and uh, really the end of the regular season. So just a couple of names to keep eyes on, right? Like, you know, if 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 you wanted Filipowski, you were interested in Tyrese Proctor. I don't know what Derek Whitehead is going to do. You know, he, he probably goes, but who knows at this point. So maybe a couple guys you have your eyes on they might just go back to college if they are in that range of being selected with the uh, Hornets' second pick in the first round. It's it's always a threat. I mean, this list of uh, prospects that I have here on my Every Hornets box score big board is is going to change pretty significantly when we get to that early entry withdrawal deadline, which isn't until – I think a lot of these guys will declare this before then, but it's not until June 12th. <laughs> the draft is June oh, a lot of people go right up to the deadline too I mean people will wait for sure because you're getting all this information yeah the combines in May I don't know if we have a date on that yet the lottery's on May 16th and the the early entry deadline is June 12th so yeah the sport's going to shift and and move and I don't even know Walker if I believe that the Hornets are even going to make that second pick in the first round yeah, they might it's not. going to be Denver's pick it's going to be 28 29 They've got a second, they've got their own second round pick too, which, you know, depending on how the lottery shakes out, could, I mean, well, honestly, either way that the lottery shakes out, it's going to be within 10 ish picks. Uh, but it could be essentially the, or virtually the same pick, you know, maybe two off. Um, so, you know, depending on how the lottery shakes out. So, like, I don't know. Like, do you even make that pick? Uh, do you try to package that pick? Because the, the Hornets have been a little reticent uh, to keep two first-round picks in the past uh, due to the financials that go along with that, the guaranteed money that you have to commit when you pick anyone in the first round. So I don't know. Doug, do you want to see them trade up? You've always been one that has been uh, has been a little leery of them taking the guy that falls. That is something where you, hey, I don't want to take the guy that falls anymore. I want to take the guy that is rising up draft boards. So do you want to see the Hornets be aggressive and show some vindication and trading up in a first round? Now, I guess they did that with Kai. You know, I forgot about how they did do that with Kai Jones, and that's not necessarily working out as it stands currently. So is that something you'd want to see from them? In a deep draft, could you get up even further to go get your player by trading that Denver pick, trading the second, you know, whatever else, or maybe that would be it. Is that something that you'd be interested in? Well, no, again, assuming that they're going to make that first pick, I just don't see them doing that. Uh, and I, there's nobody in the middle of this draft that I'm really like falling in love with yet. I mean, maybe, maybe as I continue to do the study, time. you're going it's a to, long buddy. time. I don't see <laughs> now, now. Now let's say the Hornets, you know, fall back a few spots and go six or or whatever. You know, I, I don't see anyone necessarily falling precipitously from three. You know, three all the way to six. Other than maybe Brandon Miller, I see guys moving up. I see guys rising to five or four away from the Hornets if they were to get the six pick. Guys like 
George or Cam Whitmore. You know, they might be mm-hmm. one pick away from some of these guys. But, like, you know, I, I really think the top five or so, I think it's going to get pretty locked in as we as we head into draft day. I don't see, you know, one guy making a um, a big fall. Well, and and I was and I was just even talking about the the second first round pick right. that the Hornets had. If you were, you know, but yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. You know, we'll see this. If we do have a lot of time, God, when you said the combine is in May, and then the, the decision is <laughs> we got so much. We are ready for it to. Got to a lot start of wingspan draft. talk ahead of us, my friend. Oh, I think yeah. I saw right. Cam Whitmore. I see some people saying Cam Whitmore's wingspan is seven feet. And some people saying Cam Whitmore's wingspan is seven foot three. I yeah. mean, wowza. Big disparity. I, I'm, I'm starting to love Cam Whitmore. Honestly, I'm digging into his tape a little bit. I love it. A little Matrix Reloaded. Sean Marriott. I, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, we'll, we'll get to more on Cam <laughs> Whitmore as the season goes on, as the offseason goes on. Thanks for making us your first listen today. Make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. He plays like Sean Marion. That's what I was saying. Yeah, right. Yeah.